on episode 16 of Beer Life, uh, which will actually be the last episode of season one, um, because I'm going to take a break and I'll start up with season two in April of 2020. Um, I have a mystery guest that was on earlier, actually, when we just started, and he talked about a project that then didn't go through. Uh, so we decided to shell the episode and uh, through shoddy editing, we actually referenced it a couple more times throughout the, the next couple episodes. Um, so on the, the last episode of season one, it seemed fitting to have back uh, Brent Mills from Four Winds. Welcome to the show, Brent. Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me back. It's a full show now. Lots of people listen. Wow. Yeah. How and, many? Uh, thousands, actually. Thousands of subscribers or just... Thousands of downloads? Wow. Yeah. Do you want to know what the most popular episode was? Any guesses? Uh, I think it was probably Ben Dagrad. No, Adam Henderson. Oh, yeah. He's pretty hot. Yeah, but you can't even see him via the podcast yet. For whatever reason, uh, it was still the best one. I think it's because it was BC Beer Memes listening over and over and over again because we referenced <laughs> him. Probably. So... Let's talk about why we didn't air episode two, because you were, you were the second guy on, on the show, because I like both you and Ben a lot, and so I thought it would be cool to kick it off with you guys. Um, but we did episode two, and then a week later, you and I went away to Nashville. No. Yeah, it wasn't. No, Denver. Denver. Denver for the Craft Brewers Conference, and um, we basically spent most of the episode, at least the last half of the episode, talking about... Um, what was going to be your Southlands project. So I'm wondering if you could touch on what that project was going to be and, and kind of what happened. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, so that was a bit of a travesty. We were talking about it and getting super excited, and I was kind of selling you everything we were planning on doing. And, then, and I was buying it. Yeah, and then two weeks later in Denver, uh, we got the announcement because we wouldn't, couldn't make the council meeting, and it was denied uh, while we were in Denver uh, for the Crappers Conference, and that was just... Just the trip was just very sad afterwards. Yeah. I'm sure every time you saw me, you'd see some long faces coming from the Four Winds team. I think you said, you're like, do you want to go out and sad, sad drink with us? And I was like, that sounds awful. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and um, so the project was going to be, I think the project originally was going to supposed to be zoned for as a brew pub, correct? Yeah. Okay. So I'll start from the beginning. So Southlands is uh, a bit of a contentious project development that has happened uh it's been going on for uh i think over 40 years in south delta so it's a part of farmland that's privately owned it's not in the agricultural land reserve and it's so close to the sea that it hasn't really been great for agricultural purposes so century group has owned it for a number of years and they've been trying to develop it and reincorporate some organic farming by remediating the soil spending millions of dollars, giving a lot of the land back to Delta to control the farming side, and then develop some housing and some retail. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. And parks and stuff like that. So Century approached us five years ago now. Yeah. And at the time, we were a year old. So uh, we were like, wow, this is a cool opportunity. At the time, we were booming. We are growing super fast. Um, and that's, that's our backyard. Like I literally grew up like a kilometer away. My friend lived right there. We used to play in those fields as kids. It was, it was a really cool opportunity. Um, so we worked with century for four, four and a half years, planning it along, uh, planning this production facility. We decided that originally it was going to be a brew pub. Uh, and we're like, well, we're growing so fast that we need to actually produce, make a production facility, uh, or else we're gonna have to build another production facility. It just won't make sense to open a brew pub down there. And they, they liked the idea. They wanted it to be an agricultural uh, anchor and a center point to the small community they're building because there's so much farmland around. And the idea would to have this kind of epicenter of agricultural production. Um, and Delta was on board. Um, so we worked with Delta. We worked with Century and some architects. And we, we planned this place out. It was going to be uh, like a 28,000-square-foot building. 6,000 square foot restaurant with, uh, I think about 200 seats inside and about 70 outside. So a decent sized restaurant and then a full production facility and packaging facility. Um, and we got to the point we got renderings, we did most of the architectural work and then went to council. Um, and shockingly, uh, it was tied three, three from the six council members and the mayor decided to say no to it, which was absolute shocker for us. Yeah, did you feel like the mayor was on, always on side with you guys? Well, that, that's 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 what we thought too. And um, George Harvey is the current mayor, and he 
he was recently elected and before that he was a city manager and so he knew about the project the whole time yeah and um when it came down to his decision which i believe that in uh delta city council if it's a tie he votes if he if there's no tie he doesn't have a say um right. which i'm not sure if that's correct or not, i have but, no idea um but that's what it came down to and uh his his uh his words were a little strange he pretty much said that the it would be a, a change to the community plan and right. that wasn't part of the plan and i mean it's kind of strange because yes that's obviously what the whole uh rezoning was to change the community plan and it's it the frustrating part is like why let it get so far yeah if you're just going to say that in the end yeah and i'm assuming probably because i haven't thought about it until that point right like i i guess i don't know well the idea so we're the the rezoning was for a bunch of things it wasn't just for a four winds brew pub so it was a one was a standalone building, so the, everything in the Southlands currently has to be uh, um, like a sh- mixed-use building. Right. So retail or housing or multiple housings. Right. So it was a standalone building, non-mixed-use, uh, ceiling height um, or roof height uh, raised by, I think, seven feet. Um, and hmm, a couple other things I yeah. can't remember. Um, but yeah, that was too much of a community plan change and that's what his thoughts were. Interesting. Did you find that when you were going through the process that the public support was fairly good or was it pretty divided? Like, I don't know what the demographic mix is in, in that area. It was tough because, um, I don't know if you've been in Boundary Bay before. It's a small community. It's probably the smallest and oldest communities in Delta. Um, and it's quiet and, uh, a lot of people didn't want to see, um, this sort of facility going in and I shouldn't say a lot, uh, a loud minority. Yeah. Um, which it always is. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they really made their voice heard. They sent letters to the local newspaper. They did all sorts, as many things as they could. But, um, I, I full heartedly believe that we had an overwhelming support, but yeah. the overwhelming support just assumed it was going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Did, um, now that it's, it's, and I'm assuming it's, is it entirely dead in the water? Like it's just moving on now from it or, I mean, from what you can say anyways? Yeah. We can get into that yeah. in a little bit. There's been, there's been some things since then, but yeah. When you look back at it now, do you think, are you still frustrated by it or do you think it's been a blessing in disguise in, in certain aspects or, you know? Yeah. I, I, I have a hard time calling it a blessing in disguise right now, but yeah. I definitely don't feel as broken about it as I did when it first happened. Yeah. Um, it gave us a lot of perspective on what we're doing uh, after we were denied the project. Uh, I mean, we lost a lot of money, which is the hardest part, especially yeah. like, you know, in this industry, yeah. like cash flow is never, <laughs> yeah, never key, not yeah. an issue. Yeah. And so this was a lot of money that we invested in our future that we just, we just don't get don't back. Don't get back. No. And uh, so that was a hard thing. But yeah, we're, I mean, like I said, this happened, we started planning it five years ago almost. And the way the market was growing at that point and where our business was trajectorying, trajectory, tra- can you say that? Help me with that one. Trajecting? Trajecting? Oh, I'm not even going to try. Where you were trajecting? You're trajectorying? <laughs> People understand. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, it was different. Yeah. And I mean, the market has is, is gotten super saturated and the growth is not as large as it once was. And no. it's kind of refreshing, really. Um, not for me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, that, that would have been a sustainable business if we did, did go ahead with it. But we found ways to make our current place more efficient. And that's that's been cool, too. Um, but it would have been so amazing, man. Yeah. It would have oh, been I mean, so I saw amazing. The, I, you, I mean, I remember seeing the drawings. It, looks, it looked incredible. And I yeah. know some of the stuff you guys were doing behind the scenes for as far as the food program and everything going, it would have been incredible. It would have been a great thing for the community. And, and people just don't like the unknown, right? And and I think, like I know the New S has got a, uh, an official community plan that's, I believe, is, I mean, it's complete. Um, and I don't know if they, you know, if they're as stringent as, as Delta is on, on if there's, you know, um, if there's any movement in it. But... Um, but I, I do know that there's not a lot of light industrial vacancy for for facilities like ours, and so I think you know we have to get more creative on how we, you know how we how we manufacture things just in general, 
right? And and a lot of you know manufacturing now has a big retail aspect to it, and uh, and so I mean you'd think that a project like the Southlands would be kind of more of a you know be a forward thinking project of how we'll you know kind of operate into the future, right? With these you know smaller standalone buildings that kind of serve multiple purposes, right? Employ lots of people, and but you never know when you're dealing with the city, right? And and you never know too of like what past relationships the city has had with the the you know, the property group or whatever, right? Like I think, you know, I look at all the towers going in here and I'm assuming the city of New West loves the Bozas because there's lots of Boza development, right? And and I'm sure that they, you know, flip money back into the city of some some way. And and so, you know, I guess it's it's the game, I it's, guess. It's sad that that's the reality yeah. of things is relationships and money. Yeah. Even when it comes down to the city, it's like you're supposed to be like the straight straight and narrow yeah follow the rules but you somehow play by your own rules yeah i i, I mean i'm pretty sure the new west is on the straight and narrow so okay so just <laughs> delta, so it, delta is too i swear just so everybody is clear uh the city of new west is doing everything correct um can you say new west one more time please <laughs> right <laughs> if i say it three times in a row <laughs> the mayor will appear no um okay well let's go back to the beginning then because that's enough sad chat um <laughs> so how did you, I guess, first get your start in beer and, and first come to the decision that, that you and, and your dad and your brothers were going to do um, a brewery? Um, yeah, so, well, I just this thought just crossed my mind. So before I get into the whole story, I'm just going to say yeah. I'm about three weeks, I think three weeks away from my 10-year anniversary in the beer industry. No shit. Holy crap. Yeah. That's crazy. Good for you, man. Yeah. So that's that's a lot of time. You're a veteran compared to a lot of people. Yeah, I would say so. There's, yeah. There's not a lot of familiar faces from back then. I mean, they're, everyone's still around, actually. Not a lot of people have left, but there was no. only a handful of people. That's because they're unemployable in any way or else now. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> um, all right. So how Four Winds became. Um, so I spent many years working in kitchens. Um and I loved it. I love food. I still do. I still cook all the time, but I just got sick and tired of working in a kitchen. Yeah. Um, just being a slave to the printer, making food. It was just exhausting. I got to the point where, okay, I don't have a huge passion for this anymore. I'm burnt out. Um, at this point I was brewing a little bit with my dad and Kylo, who's our head brewer. And I just, I went full on. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to, quit my job and go apply at all these breweries and all these breweries are uh, steamworks r&b yale town brewing and i think that was that was it <laughs> um and oh, also central city um no one really got back to me but uh r&b got back to me and they're like oh yeah the the olympics are coming up and we're gonna need a hand 10, wow. 10 years ago. Holy shit. That's crazy that it was the Olympics. That's wild, man. Um, and so I was like, I'll do anything. I'll sweep the floor. And yeah. uh, Ali Tomlin, who is not is with... Uh, Riot? Riot, yeah. yeah. Um, she was the GM or production manager. I can't remember her role at the time. She's like, come in and, and hang out after hours. Just get yeah. the vibe, see if it works. And so I went, went down there and had some beers with them. Uh, a couple weeks in a row, I was socially anxiety anxiety ridden uh 24 year old or yeah 24 year old and felt super uncomfortable and these guys were super cool in my mind and they all <laughs> knew everything they knew about beer and it just felt super awkward but they're like yeah you're, you're a cool guy yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you a chance so they hired me on as a keg washer and filler um so it's i spent i think three months preparing for the olympics they just literally built their stock up because they knew the olympics were going to be crazy yeah and then when the olympics came it was just like madhouse like just keep on going and and uh so after that it was end of february which is one of the slowest times of the year they're yeah. like okay thanks thanks for your help see you later <laughs> and i was like oh this isn't a permanent job <laughs> um and so yeah i think it was about three weeks i was like oh, okay well what am i going to do now she called me back she's like hey we we actually will need somebody um and I came back and yeah, they hired me back and they got me into the rotations, started training me to brew. Uh, and I worked at R&B for three years and I loved it, man. I learned yeah. so much there and it was such a fun environment and just kind of got to understand the industry more. Um, my dad, who uh, was semi-retired at the time, he was building some boats 
none he ever finished. <laughs> so wait, your dad spent all his time building boats and none of them actually float? Uh, a couple float. Actually, one's finished. The the one, the main one that uh, he was working on that never got finished is still never finished. Is that the one that's in, in at Four Winds? Is yeah, there one it, in one of yeah, the storage facilities? Yeah, it's yeah. not there anymore, no. actually. Yeah, we yeah. finally talked him into moving it. Um, so anyways, yeah, my dad, Greg, was like, we got to open a brewery. And that's I'm a like, good Greg impression. <laughs> yeah, I've known him for a bit. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. And eventually, after three years of working with R&B, I was like, okay, hey, I kind of have an idea. Yeah. Um, so my dad and I rented a place in Tilbury, um, which is seven years, December 1st, maybe you no know, seven years, December 1st, uh, which is pretty cool. And then we started just tearing it apart. And then yeah. my, my brother, Adam, who is a finishing painter, he worked in restaurants like, uh, wildebeest and a bunch of other like high end restaurants is he came along as the kind of head of design and going to do sales. And, and then my other brother, Sean, who, um, is like just a musician kind of super chill dude. I can't remember what he was doing at the time. Just some random job. Probably just being awesome. Remembering people's names. Yeah. And so Sean came on as the kind of retail tasting room manager. And, uh, so yeah, it took us seven months to build a brewery. Yeah. And we were open. Yeah. December 1st to June 1st. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. And that would have been in 2013, right? 2013. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. And who opened that year? It was like you guys, Brassneck, 33 Acres, and a few Main Street, maybe? Maybe Main Street. No, Main Street opened up later. the next year, yeah, because yeah. they were part of that or that five-year collab thing that we did. So Yellow Dog? No, no. Yellow Dog's the same year as us, too. I think the I, don't, I actually think it was Moody. just... Moody. No, Moody was the same year as us. I know all the guys in my year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but there wasn't... I mean, there wasn't that many, but it was like the first wave after Parallel 49 had opened, I guess, because they were... Powell. Like, Powell, that's right. Oh, I think they opened in December the year before, so it was yeah, just just the cusp. But I remember that that was the year because we were obviously brewery and planning, and you and I knew each other because we were kind of uh, Jamie and I um, would go to the same events because we were kind of still a brewery and planning, or or at least we're starting the build out. And um, but that year was like the best year of of um, of press. You know, it was like yeah. the first wave of the craft beginning. beer. And yeah. I remember like you guys and oh, bridge was another one bridge. Yeah. There. And, and, um, you know, it was like the, the, the best, those two years, 2013 and 2014 were like the two best years for getting your face out to the public that like this craft beer thing was coming. Media right? was going crazy for it. Yeah. Which was wild. Right. Like I, I look at it now and, and it's harder. Like I can't, the, the advantages aren't there that they, there used to be, you used to be able to send a press release and like the fuck I remember we were on the front page of the the province and Whoa. yeah and it was just like we were just starting a brewery that was it it was like Jan's uh brood awakening thing and um what was it a picture of you on the front page yeah, of the province pete jamie and i and uh it was about all the breweries that are opening and it's oh, funny because i like, remember that yeah yeah so like i i and i don't want to give away my secrets but um but i had learned um in my previous life that when you send out a press release um always just include a photo of people with in it um because often people don't i mean people in the 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 newspaper industry even now it's even less staff so they're always in a hurry and they're overworked and so you just make it as easy as possible so i got somebody to come in and take a nice photo of the three of us that i was like this would look good and then sure enough they went for it and and used it good tip there yeah don't do that that's my (laughs) trick um, so yeah, but it was, it was crazy times. So how, how did you guys start with, um, how did you decide on the name Four Winds? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, yeah, back in my time with R&B, I always had the dream of actually opening a brewery, even though I had zero confidence in it, but I, I just threw names in the back of my head. Um, we actually worked, we were thinking about like family, it was a family business. So we're like Mills, Mills Brewing, yeah. um, isn't we there actually, already a Fraser Mills now? Yeah, oh, that's, that, that's, that's pretty, just the area, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the other one that was funny was uh, Dogwood was the name we were working oh, really? with, which is so funny because we we grew up on uh, Dogwood Lane in Tolson. Yeah, and we're like, no, nah, it's too close to Driftwood. And then two years later, Dogwood Brewing opened <laughs> up. Um, but yeah, we settled on Four Winds. We all liked the sound of it, but we found meaning uh, to it being that we were going to be inspired by the many brewing regions around the world. So, uh, super inspired by Belgian style beers, German beers, North American and, and so forth. And so we say the four winds are blowing influence in our direction. Ah, 
That's the line. Yeah. Ah, man. I don't know what our line is now. It changes all the time. We brew and steel and uh, oak. Yeah. I think originally it was it was a lot more lengthy than that. Um, but now I, I now I just write independent beer. Independent beer. <laughs> nice. Independent beer uh, made in New West. Um, oh, we actually don't have a line. That's yeah, just I have I, a line. Yeah, that's yeah. just what I said now. Oh, really? I thought that was like your guys' line. <laughs> no, that that's not written anywhere. Oh, okay. I yeah. know. I've never seen it before. Yeah. <laughs> the four winds are blowing. Yeah, okay. Good, because now I don't have to make fun of it afterwards. That's yeah. great. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> um, did you ever think that, I guess, well, no, you obviously wouldn't think that you're at where you're at now when you guys first opened. But, I mean, when you guys first started to gain traction and, and things started to really blow up, um, you know, was it just like, holy shit, what do we do? Or did at least you had your dad, Greg, who had some business experience that knew how to try and grow this thing fast? Like, how did it all, was it just a big clusterfuck from the beginning or? <laughs> yeah, a bit. Or yeah. do you guys feel I like mean, you pieced it? changed much. No. <laughs> oh, I've been there. I know. <laughs> hey, come on. No, it's, organized. it is. It's organized chaos. Yeah. yeah. It's much better. You should come soon. Yeah. We, we, right, we got it down now. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that's how it goes when you grow that fast um but no essentially just everything was going north like so so i was terrified when we were opening because you know i worked at r&b for a few years but i never really brewed and ran a brewery like i, yeah. I mean i was kind of doing r&b but it was totally different when it was all my recipes and at that point i was literally the only one brewing cellaring kegging yeah. like it's standard for opening a brewery um Opening day, I thought the beers were okay, and if I tried them now, I'd probably think they were terrible. Yeah, um, that's funny. I don't even like. I remember thinking they were great, yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, um, but it was a time where there wasn't a lot of new breweries, and yeah. people were just excited. Yeah, and we were so fortunate to be open in that time. Uh, I was very uh, green. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, we were, we were successful right off the bat. I think the market was just so thirsty that no matter what we were doing, we were going to be successful. And luckily that we were actually producing some clean beers and, and people liked them. Uh, we've improved upon them almost every batch to this day, which is kind of our mandate, but yeah, it took off pretty quick. Um, and then we won brewery of the year a year That's later right. in Canada, which that was, that was the big kind of like, uh, push for us and and we decided that okay well we won this big award now we gotta take ourselves a little more serious and, and try to get beer to people uh, our goal always is just like if someone wants our beer we want them to be able yeah. to get it we've never been forcing our beer on anyone and uh, we, we we always have a hard time saying no when we don't have enough product to people right but uh, I mean yeah it's just been managing growth the whole time yeah and like i mentioned earlier it's kind of refreshing when uh the growth has kind of settled and we're getting 10 percent growth uh as opposed to like 100 or 150 percent growth year after year which is amazing for business but yeah i was gonna say in any other exhausting. business it's, yeah when well, i say in any other business if you're doing 10 percent growth they're like that's fantastic good yeah. for you right and but it's just it's kind of like i mean we're in the same boat where we're doing you know, our growth is definitely much less than it has been previously. Right. And, yeah. and, um, and, but it does allow you to dial your shit in a little bit better. Right. And I think, you know, we were just throwing people at problems, right. We'd be like, Oh, uh, we can't fuck. Let's just hire another person. We'll throw it at the problem and see what happens. Right. And, and now that things have slowed, you're like, okay, well let's actually figure out how to make this thing run properly. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, so it is, it is refreshing in a sense, you know, you, I'd like to see, you know, continue 10% growth because, you know, you don't want 10 to turn into eight to turn into six to turn into four. Right. But, um, and I wonder if it'll, I mean, I suspect that. And but how do you avoid that? Jordan, how do you avoid that? How do I avoid that? <laughs> I don't, Us, I'm running it into the ground. No. Um, I don't know. Like I, I think, I mean, I know for us it's still an oak because we, we are, we basically, we're not at max capacity, but we are at max space. Like yeah. we have nowhere to put, tanks um it's now figuring out how we want to grow right and do we want to grow through wholesale or do we want to grow through a tied house somewhere or do we want to you know how, how do we want to do it right yeah. and so um i know in the next couple of years that will be kind of the you know hot topic well yeah and it always has been we've had our you know we've we've had our hands in some opportunities that haven't come to fruition and we're doing a new brewery obviously in victoria with the folks at the drake 
Um, but you know, that's more of, uh, um, you know, they'll be running it once it's up and going and it's definitely a separate entity from steel and Oak. So, um, I don't know how you continue to, I know how I continue to grow is when you get to max capacity, you just make one less logger and you make an ale instead. And that's how we'll slowly do it. Wow. We're doing the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would love to do the opposite. Don't uh, get but, me wrong. But the growth has definitely slowed down because yeah. yeah, we're brewing way more bottom fermented beers and you know how long that takes. I do know how long that takes, especially if you do it properly, which you guys do. So, yeah. um, how do you guys like, you, you know, you talk about growth and I think for, I always, I always look at your guys' lineup and I think of how much, how difficult it must be to manage all of those. Cause you have a lot of core beers that you keep all year round. Right. Yeah. Do you know how many you keep offhand? Like you're, you've got the th- four bottles, the th- three cans, the. So yeah, we can just run through it so I can count. So we got in the original series, IPA, pale ale, Saison, Pilsner. Yeah. And then on rotation is Porter. Yeah. Uh, and then we got the Nota series, which is featherweight. La Maison and elementary. elementary Lager, and then Velo is the summer seasonal, and then we got Nectaris and Juxtapose full time in bombers and in tall cans, and then we got Huffgold now, which is right. another full time beer. So it's twelve. That was twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think so, yeah, somebody out there is counting right now, like you idiots. It's not yeah. either of them, but yeah. it's it's tw- yeah, it's either yeah. I think twelve with the seasonals, maybe. Um. So yeah, I mean it's. Yeah, that's production schedule is challenging, um, but I mean, you get bored if we don't, if we're not challenged. Yeah, no, I'm um, for sure, and I, I think too. I know, like at, at Steel and Oak right now, we're trying to figure out, okay, well, like what is the right amount of beers to keep all all year all around? We have too many. Yeah, I well, think. I, but I, I, when I think about axing one, I'm like, but I love that beer. Well, I remember you and, and it I, sells well. You and I talked a long time ago, I think, and I asked you what the like the beer that you just thought like if you had to choose one that you would you'd nix it. And I think you said the original pale, but then I see yeah. you just changed the recipe. Yeah, we just changed it. <laughs> what did you do to it? Uh, so yeah, the original, the original one was very, very, uh, I don't know, maybe late nineties BC pale ale inspired. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was Citra or sorry, not Citra Centennial and Cascade with like a kind of British multi backbone and yeah. the beer is great, but it's just kind of dated. Um, so we haven't changed it too much, but we kind of reduced that maltiness, um, added a bit of oak, oats and uh introduced pulled out pulled out the centennial introduced some citra and simcoe so nice just kind of it's yeah. just kind of updated version yeah. of it cool. uh i think a lot of people that regularly would drink the pale be like what this is a different beer but if you have occasional four winds pale and you have the newer one you're gonna be like i don't know yeah like, i'm sure if I, if I drank it i'd be like oh i don't remember what the other one tastes like you'd right? probably be like wow this is tasting great has it always been this good yeah, <laughs> yeah probably you'd be like, yeah. yeah it has been jordan yeah. <laughs> it is tasting great yeah, yeah we're, we're stoked on it so what would you say now um that you're i mean you guys are six years in now uh, what's the biggest challenge that you uh as a brewery face i guess first before i ask you what you personally face um for yeah hmm, as a brewery Staying relevant. Yeah. Um, I, I saw some stats recently, or I, I can't remember them exactly, so I'm not going to repeat them exactly, but we were like brewery number 52 when we opened in BC, and we're yeah. well over 200 now, right? Yeah. So um, how do you stay relevant in a market where you're less than 1% of the yeah. comp- competition? I mean, that's face competition, not market competition so yeah we're, we've done well we open at a good time that we have a decent um market share but we got to keep it there and so i'm not on the front lines going and trying to sell beer but i mean i talk to the sales reps all the time and there's so much stuff out there yeah. that that bars and and retail stores are like oh we just don't have we just don't have room like yeah. we'd love to buy it and sell it but we just don't have room anymore yeah i'm going to tell an adam henderson story because uh um, because I want to get him to trouble. Um, Good. But um, him and I were out for drinks, and, and I can't remember if I we even talked about this on the, the Superflux podcast with him, so apologies if I did. Um, but he had called a liquor store. He had Easy Tiger had just come out. And, I mean, obviously Superflux, they only do batches every once in a while. It sells really well. It's like, And uh, that liquor store manager was said, we actually don't have any room for it right now. And 
and in Adam's mind and, and he wasn't trying to be a dick about it. I won't throw him under the bus and be like, you know, um, but he, he was like, hold on a second. He's like, you have in his mind, he's like, you have all these beers that sell better than easy tiger on the shelf. Right. But that's not the case. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's no, definitely like probably I bet you easy tiger would probably sell better than 75% of those at least. And, but it's not, people want variety. So I, I think that there's this, this mentality that it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is as long as it's variety. Yeah. Right. And, um, so he couldn't sell easy tiger and which I had to laugh at. I'm like, Hey man, like that's the fucking real world, dude. Like, you know, and that's the way it's going to be. Um, you know, going forward for the next little while anyways, until there's a bit of a, I don't know, a culling, I guess, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to entirely happen. I can in the imagine it happening, but I just haven't seen it. Yeah. But then I also think too, when I go to, like I've been trying to visit liquor stores a lot more recently and I can't speak so much on the draft side of things, but um, you do tend to see the same breweries. Like there actually isn't a ton of, um, for the 200 at least, there's not a ton of breweries on shelf. Um, there's a lot of variety on shelf, um, but you kind of always see the same crew, right? I, I think, at least with the most shelf placement, which yeah. like, I guess is, but it's always guys from our 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 era, right? Yeah. Like it's it's you guys. We always have some Mike from Yellow Dog's got basically a full fridge to himself, and uh, you know, and I'm joking, he doesn't. He's got a couple facings, and in um, you know, there's Twin Sales beer. Um, you see some lot of strange fellows and stuff. It's always kind of the same the same crew. Yeah. Um, so I can't I can't I don't know, and I should probably have a newer brewery on this podcast. Cause all I've done is just called on my friends yeah. and, um, and see like, you know, what, what are the numbers look like for, you know, how much liquor store distribution do, you know, does these it, guys, yeah. yeah, do these guys do it's, right? Yeah. I think that's like interesting. I think one is like reputation and a history sells beer right away. Yep. People are like, Oh, that name's familiar. Like when I tell people four wins is six and a half years old that I've just met, like, I feel like it's been around forever. I'm like, Six and a half years is like yeah. forever in the beer industry, yeah. but people think like 20 years. I'm like, well, no, no. Um, but yeah, so like a lot of the breweries that open up in our time, because there wasn't so many breweries, we planned to actually like have a decent volume. Yeah. Go we, to, we decided that we were okay. Let's not undersize ourselves probably because we looked at the States and we're like, all these breweries are like building new breweries cause they undersized themselves yeah. and the growth was so fast. So, and a lot a, a lot of credit due to uh, the manufacturers for that because they talked us into a bigger brew house than we right. originally planned. Um, but then, yeah, with with time comes quality too, right? Yep. No, for sure. And I think it's it's when well, it's reliability. I think a lot of the time, right? Like, I, too, yeah, yeah. yeah, like I know um, Dan that works uh, at Steel and Oak. He had meeting with one of the bigger liquor store um, buyers in 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 BC and. Just to, we kind of like to just reset every year and just be like, hey, what are we doing right? What can we, you know, help improve on? He's like, and the liquor store manager was like, the thing I like about you guys is that you know it's going to be good, right? Like, you may not like the style, you, if, but you know it's still going to be good quality beer that's clean. And um, so he's like, you're never going to disappoint anybody, yeah, right? And, and so you're, you know, it just doesn't vary that much, right? Like, you know, and, and so I think as long as, you know, guys like you and me and, and continue to do that, then it should always be okay. But it's still, there's still going to be a lot of noise, especially as things start to get singled out as the bomber market has changed. And, and how do you guys find those three thirty mil bottles still do? Do you find that they're, they're still humming along? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's do this do They still do well. Um, I think a big thing that, um, keeps them going is uh restaurant purchases. Yeah. So it's such a classy bottle that restaurants, when they sell, a, a canister or like a bottle they yeah. want it to look good yeah. especially if it's a high-end restaurant like nothing against cans but they just don't look as classy no. as a bottle right no and once the that's the still the the perception isn't there from you know i think in the people, average person from the average person yeah that's that's going to this high-end restaurant right yeah. and so i know i always see if i'm it's always you guys in 33 acres right With yeah because you guys are like the only two that are in those the, that format i think main island brewing Main Island Brewing. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. But you can only buy it at Main Island, Island? I think. Maybe he sells a bit to a couple of liquor stores, but yeah, he uses the same bottle. Um, but yeah, we we haven't seen a huge amount of growth. Obviously, there's a lot more growth in cans, Yeah. Um, but it's still st- staying steady. Uh, but we have doubled down on the 330. Where, uh, I saw that you guys got 12-pack, right? 
Oh yeah. Sorry. I wasn't even going to talk about oh. that, but, uh, yeah. So that was a experiment. So, I mean, we like, we're talking about growth and, and how it's not as strong as it once was. And we're like, Oh, what's a way to get more beer in people's hands, especially beer that we've been making since the beginning yeah. that they maybe have never tried. So mix back. And so yeah, we did, we did that, uh, mid November. Yeah. Uh, and it was only a one time go. So it's almost gone, but it's a perfect, you know, Christmas yeah. time thing. Three beers, three, three of four of our original beers yeah. and they're all tasting super fresh and really good. And nice. Yeah. It's, it's pretty fun. Um, but what I was going to say is that, um, we've seen a bit of softening on the high end beer market in BC. Yeah. So the cork and cage beers, we do quite a bit of it. Um, they still sell, but not as fast as yeah. they used to, which is like kind of a funny issue. It's like the beer sells. Yeah. It always sells out, but it used to sell out in like five days. So now it's yeah. like five weeks or even longer sometimes and we're brewing more of it so we uh we decided to start making some of those beers in 330 mil four packs that's great so that will be coming out in the new year i think that's really smart actually because we like obviously like for our more specialty stuff they go in 500 mil bottles right it's the same thing it's a bit of a slog like they do always sell and people love them but like it's just the format doesn't move as fast as i remember i used to sell we used to be able to sell barrel aged barley wine in 650 mil bottles and be able to do a lot of it and it would just go yeah right and but now um now that's not the case you guys did a barrel aged barley wine yeah on blanc and on rouge man way back this was in oh, peter yeah. as our brewer and yeah, yeah. we had um i think we did 20 heck of it like we had 10 heck of of i can't remember if they were like cab soft barrels or something like that and 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 we basically it was just the same batch of barley wine just aged in one was aged in like red wine barrels and one was in white wine and cool. brought them out at the same time. And, and, um, yeah, it was, it was a hit. Right. But I think in 2014, 20, well, this would have been 2015, um, maybe 2016, um, you know, people still were all over that. Right. Like that was the beer nerd purchase. Right. Whereas now it's, it's, you know, what's the, the cool looking can. Right. And so yeah. it's just the consumer, has changed on, on what they want a little bit. And, um, I don't know. I love the, I, I like the, that idea of the three thirty mil in a four pack because then you can have one now or you can sell her one or you can, you know, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And we, I think like, I mean, I love the large format and popping a cork is yeah, so cool, but it is, but it is a commitment. And like, you know, say we, we, you buy a bottle for 17, 18 bucks at the liquor store and you got to almost wait for a special occasion to drink that yeah. and you got to make sure you got a couple people. Yeah. Um, and then it's almost not enough. If you really like it, you're like, oh, I wish I had more. So the four pack is, it kind of makes it a little more approachable, a little more blue collar. You can just crack one after work and just drink it straight from the bottle or pour it in a glass, whatever you want to do. But then you got three more afterwards or yeah. you can give one to a friend and I'm, I'm really excited about it. So we, we just packaged them two weeks ago. It's bottle conditioned, so they're still laying down, but I cracked a couple bottles yesterday. Um, Operas is one, the first one oh, that will cool. be coming out, which is tasting super good. I'm super excited to be able to drink a Brett Barrel Age Farmhouse uh, straight from a bottle, like yeah. so casually. And then uh, Norwood's the other one. So Norwood, Sweet. we've been kind of tinkering with the format a little bit. So we did 750 with, with, uh, uh, kind of a pattern design and then we yeah. switch it to a, a different label and now that label that's on the Norwood which I don't know if you've seen it's yeah. more Orville, o- oval yeah. um, that's going to be just on a 330 mil bottle and that's cool. kind of the format for all these beers cool. um, but yeah I'm, I'm super excited about it well let's crack a beer before we get into the next little bit here let's do it Brent said I'm really enjoying this but who would care to listen to this which I found hurtful, um, <laughs> but no, that's the truth. It's, it's, it's okay. So, um, and I probably talked about it on the first season. Do you want hoof gold or do you want to try this 60 degree anvil? I want that anvil. Okay. Let's try it. I, I hope it's, that's okay. a full can. I was like coming out of the mouth. Yeah, I wonder if that's why it was, I don't know. I hope I didn't give you bad beer. I'll let you know. Oh, I know you will. I, there might be a, maybe it was a test something. I don't know, man. It was just in the fridge. So you can lie to me on air if it's not. Let me drink it too. So I'm sure this is terrible podcasting, by the way. That's good. Yeah. That tastes right. I think it's a bit cold, but anyways. So yeah. Okay. So who, who would, who listens to this? Who, you know, cause every time I get that question a ton 
it's like people are always curious about like especially industry people I'm, I'm confident it's mostly industry people yeah but we do get um i mean hundreds and hundreds like let's call it i think at least at least seven to eight hundred downloads um wow per episode and then some a few have peaked over i think twelve fourteen hundred maybe is the most downloads so uh, let's call it you know an average of you know, between eight, eight or nine hundred people listen to each episode. That's amazing. I know, which is crazy, and it's it's from all over the world too. So you can actually see it's definitely hyper focused in Vancouver. Yeah, um, I'm sure most people are in the industry are industry people that are doing it. Yeah, um, but there are definitely people that are yeah in in Australia and Europe and and so um, my assumption is is that people either hear about it on somebody else's social media and pick it up. Or maybe they search for it in in um, in podcast uh, like the yeah, podcast around beer podcasts. I guess. Are you recording? Am I getting your? Oh yeah, I am. I can see you. It's just your voice is so low. That's so quiet. You are. Um, got dulc- have you have you ever thought of like a mailbag episode? What is that? Where you just like throw it out there? Like I don't. It, you have a Twitter for beer life and stuff no. and Instagram. I could just put on my you personal add, one though. Nah, you got to create your own Twitter and Instagram if you want this to be real. Okay. Successful and just throw it out there. And be like, hey, we're gonna have a. I listen to No Dunks basketball podcast. And okay. Every week they do a. They call it Stepping on the Beach mailbag episode where yeah. they literally just answer questions from Twitter. Interesting. And it's awesome. Okay, maybe I'll try. Which that I think once, would maybe. be sweet. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I was surprised how many people do listen to it. Um, I think. A lot of it comes down to like the reason I started it is because there was no there is when you search for it there's no industry I mean there might be an there's industry like, podcast but it's more about technical sides of yeah it's, it's all technical brewing yeah. stuff which is and and apologies if somebody has a podcast out there that is similar to this but I couldn't find a, a podcast that is beer focused on like the business side of things or talking to people about you know, how, how, how things are. Right. And obviously it's very BC focused cause yeah. it's nice to be able to have people in studio and in studio <laughs> the tasting room. <laughs> nice. And, um, the, um, because I've done them over the phone, like, um, you know, obviously I'd been on, uh, who's in, in Oregon and, um, but, uh, it just never translates as well. It's better when it's face to face. Yeah. But my hope was that as it gained traction that I would be able to, to reach out to brewers that I don't know from around the world and just talk about how things are, said the same or different um like who's the guy that opened evil twin the heck what's his name again um uh i forget the last name anyways i i so somebody <laughs> sent me his face uh, a facebook post because he just opened the the location oh, in queens yeah oh what yeah uh it'll come yep okay and so and it was about it was like this super honest post about like how frustrating it's been to open this this evil twin location right and dealing with the city and like and like it's evil twin right like they're pretty big deal been at it for 15 years yeah right and and i think he had posted like a selfie you could just tell like it's draining right and like okay well i'm sure new york has its own i'm sure they've got way more issues there than we have here just because of the sheer size of the city but we all go through the same shit right and so i don't know i just thought it would be nice that people could holy I hope that really doesn't come up on the the Norton antivirus. I got to figure this out, or maybe there's a virus on this computer. Um, the um, but it's it's like it's just nice to know that other people are either going through the same thing or might have a different way of looking at it. Um, and how could like you you learn from something? Um, but but I wanted it to be specific enough that like you know that that it was really hyper-focused towards industry people, right? Because yeah. otherwise you just make it too broad and it doesn't work. Yeah. So that's the only reason why well, I started it. And Yeah, and and like the BC market's so strong and there's so many people that are like involved. Like there's thousands of people that are working in beer in BC and yeah. everyone's super passionate about it and love hearing other stories, success stories and not so much successful stories, just stories about the industry just to... Yeah, kind of get uh, the community stronger. So I think it's awesome. Well, I and appreciate I, you doing it. No, no, I'm happy to, and I just I I'm glad that people are just honest, right? Yeah. And um, as reading this book um, called Mindset, and my um, business partner Jamie lent it to me, and it's about like how people have either a growth mindset or a fixed mindset, and a fixed there was a, a, a paragraph on like that people with a fixed mindset sometimes are often like really su- they're successful people or they're they've been told they've been great from an early age and 
but that they found that um, when they were asked, they had a they did a test and they got a test score, and then the they were asked to tell somebody else what their test score was, and like seventy percent of the time they would lie, and they would always lie to say that their test score was better because they were <laughs> so paranoid about about having that their worth proven wrong that they wouldn't tell the truth and whereas like with people with a growth mindset where they're like i don't know everything all i'm going to do is learn for the rest of my life because you're never going to be perfect um they'd always tell the truth and then if somebody had a better score on the other side they would ask them about it and like and be like okay well like how can i learn from this right so and i think that's just kind of more what i what i hope from from this is that like I'm, I, I have no idea what so I'm doing a, most of the time. It's just a selfish reason. You're trying to 100%. learn. 100%. Trying to make Steel and Oak stronger. 100%. We'll get some sponsorship too while I'm at it. <laughs> um, okay. How come you're such a big uh, Trailblazers fan? Where did that start from? Uh, How come you're not a Grizzlies fan? You should be a Grizzlies fan. How could you be a Grizzlies fan? Well, a Vancouver Grizzlies fan. Yeah, obviously. But they're not in Vancouver anymore. And it's a goddamn shame they're still the Grizzlies. Did you see that they did that throwback jersey that was actually the Vancouver? And it said Vancouver on it. It's crazy. I love it and I hate it. The NBA is so good at that. Yeah, this year was uh, throwback jerseys year. Um, so it's a great story. No one's going to find it very exciting, but me and my wife. Um, when we first started dating, Allison and I were kind of like, oh, we both we both love basketball. I, at the time, I didn't follow the NBA because I was still bitter from the Grizzlies leaving. Um, but my wife played basketball growing up, and uh, we were kind of just throwing the ball around. Uh, shooting hoops on maybe one of our first dates. I can't remember. That's rad. That's one of your first dates. Um, you were shooting hoops. That's maybe, great. yeah, maybe it was a couple months in. But anyways, uh, we were just like, oh, let's let's follow a basketball team. Let's follow the NBA. And so initially, we're like Toronto. Let's do it. Uh, but then we realized that you know, the time zone is going to be tough to follow games. So right. we're like, oh, what's the other closest team? Portland. We both love Portland. So boom, there it was. Wow. So four years ago, we religiously started watching Portland Trailblazers and we pretty much watch every game. That's crazy. Yeah. Good for you, man. That's awesome. That's great. That's how I like because I like the Cleveland Browns uh, in football. And people always ask, how come you like the Cleveland Browns? And it's because I used to date this this girl and her dad was a big football fan. He was a big Raiders fan. And, um, so I was like trying to be like, you know, I wanted to bond with him. And so I'm like, I better start to like football. And so I'm like, I just picked a team and I thought it was cool. They didn't have a logo. So I was like, I'm gonna take those orange guys. And then, and they've been terrible forever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, a little bit better this year, but, um, that's really how, just how it started. I just picked them. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of Portland fans of Vancouver. Yeah. And in in the beer industry, Brett Jameson, Steamworks, him and I text almost every game. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's been a it's been a sad year so far. So we got a lot of sad texts well, I between remember each other. You and I and Eric, our head brewer, watched the Trailblazers playoff game in Toronto last or this earlier this year at the Game yeah. Brain Awards. Yeah. And it went to like triple overtime. Remember we're like we're gonna have a nice four, night in. Four, four overtimes. overtimes. That's right. We got some beers and just went to your hotel room to watch the game and it lasted forever. I remember yeah. walking through the it hotel. Was 3 it was three AM. It was three AM. It was three AM when I walked yeah. Which is awful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was fun, though. That was good. Um, so you are also now a dad. Yes. Um, what has been your biggest surprise about being a dad? How much joy I feel. Yeah. That's I mean, great, that man. sounds kind of cheesy. No. But I mean, life life was was great before. Like running a running a, running a business, uh, especially in the beer industry, and and literally working with friends every day is is a lot of joy. But um, now that, uh, Mabel is almost six months old, she's just so full of life and, and joy. And she's such a sweetheart that, I mean, I just can't wait to get home to see her. And yeah. it's, I don't know, it's just lots of fun. We've been going to swimming lessons. I love it. That's great. It's just, I don't know, it's a good time. And it's at six months, it's, it's a great age. This is like, they first start, this is when they really start to interact with you and it just gets like better and better from here on out. Yeah. Like Lennox, our, um, our youngest son, and he's 15, 15 or 16 months. I can't remember because the second kid, so you don't really pay that much yeah, attention. It's not important. Um, but he's definitely over a year and he's not two. Um, <laughs> but, but he, uh, like he's definitely starting to interact more now. Right. And, and he'll, you know, he's trying to talk and he'll point at things and ask for stuff. And it's just, and he'll, this morning, um, he grabbed this like block 
And he does this thing. I, I used to do this to him all the time where I'd try and give him something and I'd pull it away really quick and he'd laugh. And so now he does that to me. Nice. Where he'll look, hold it out and I'll try and grab him and he'll pull it away and laugh. And uh, so it's great. It just becomes more and more fun, you know. And I think that helps put things in perspective, I always find. And, you know, when you're right, like, you know, it's kind of can be a, everybody knows in this industry, like a lot of times you're just putting out fires and it's stressful. And, um, and or you have to let somebody go or whatever. And yeah. then you go home and it's like, oh, this little person doesn't care. Yeah. Right. Which is great. And 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 the big picture of life, it's not that it's not that, um, you know, it's not that important. I was <laughs> this is a side side note. So I was when we were when we were recording this, I was actually in Portland yesterday um, and I'm sitting waiting to in my uh, hotel lobby waiting to get a flight home. And I'm listening to this guy um, cancel his hotel reservation for the next couple, next two nights. And I'm kind of like not eavesdropping, but I'm listening and he's talking about how it's like, yeah, she's back in, you know, she's back in the hospital. Um, you know, it's, it's, he's like, it was touch and go for a while. He's like, we thought that she was going to be okay, but it seems like it's the end is coming. And I'm like, oh my God. And the other guy's like, oh, how old, how old is she? And he's like, she's 14. And he's like, Oh my God. And he's like, he's like, I remember, he's like, I remember she's like 14 was, was the age when mine passed away too. I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, are these guys part of a group that's here at the hotel? That's like got sick kids. And I'm like, I'm almost in tears. Cause I'm thinking about my kids. I'm yeah. like, fuck, I got to get home to see my kids. But he's talking about a dog and, and that's there was no like, laughing matter, no, I know, but. I know, I know. But I was, in, I was so relieved after they're like, they were talking about the dog. And then, then that's a lifespan. It is a lifespan, right? 14 years. And they were talking about a dog. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Thank. And then, but then, like, you know, you could, the guy's like, this is the worst, like, this is, I remember when we had to put our first dog down and it was the worst day of my life, my life, right? Yeah. I'm like, people love dogs, you know, just as much as kids. Yeah. But I could help it feel so relieved that, that they weren't talking about children. That would have been children. the saddest conversation I, ever. Could you imagine was... being the person at the hotel desk just being like, I'm sorry, sir. Like, we won't charge you for this. Like, that would be terrible, right? Yeah. And so I couldn't have been more happy for a dog's death than that moment, which is awful. And I like dogs, so don't get me wrong. If it was a cat, I wouldn't care. But you love cats, so I won't say that with you on the show. I love cats and dogs. Yeah. I'm not a cat guy. I'm allergic to them. They yeah, give me sense. an itchy throat. Yeah. Um, I don't like them. <laughs> what would you say, uh, I'm looking at my notes now, um, what would you say is the biggest challenge that BC Beer is facing right now? Gimmicks. Can you elaborate on what you mean by gimmicks? I just think there's so many gimmicky beers out there and that you got to do something elaborate to get attention and that's becoming more important than quality. Yeah. Okay. And I, it's, it's, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I thought about it this morning a little bit because so, I mean, Seal Note doesn't make a lot of gimmicky beers. No, we actually don't make really any gimmicky beers. In fact, we probably should make a little bit more gimmicky beers, I guess. But it's just not really in who we are. And, um, however, um, on Wednesdays, which is generally a slower, it's kind of a shoulder day for us where sometimes it's busy and sometimes it's not. So we're like, okay, well, how do we, how do we get more people in the taste room on a Wednesday? Right? Well, we used to do these casks in, on Wednesdays, but we don't do casks anymore. Um, so like, well, why don't we, um, we'd always toyed around with doing like a cocktail series of casks. Um, you know, we're kind of cocktail inspired beers, right? So we're like, well, why don't we just, let's try this for the fall and, and see how it, how it does. Yeah. And we call it, just call it creative keg. Cause I wasn't feeling that creative that day. And, um, and basically what it is, is it's Daniel who, who works for steel and Oak and he's used to be in the cocktail game and him and Eric take beer and make beer cocktail out of it. And then so are they making it into a cask or a keg? Keg. Okay. Put it back in keg. So, so it's like a cocktail inspired kind of take on a beer, one keg. And, um, and, uh, anyways, I won't, I'm glad this is industry people listening to this cause they'll understand. And, and, but, but we did this one, it was Rogan Weizen and it was like, and I don't come up with the names for it, but it was like a Rogan Weizen. Um, and I can't even remember. It was like a salted caramel cookie Rogan Weizen is what we called it. Right. And which is a gimmick beer for sure. <laughs> and, um, and so uh, our taster manager, Shelly, is having the beer. And she's like, this is really good. And we taste and we're like, this is actually really good. And we're like, what, what is this to our assistant brewer chef? And he's like, it's an abomination. That's what it is. He's like, but it does taste really good. And um, so we do these creative cakes. And then every time we do one, 
we get all these people are just so into it and they're like, I hope these creative kegs will, will make it into like the full time lineup. I'm like, I'm not going to make a, uh, mango, you know, like a mango laced, you know, with lime bit lime and bitters, I think is the last one that we've done with like, it just doesn't, it's not who we are, but no. people are into that though. Yeah. Like people want beer that doesn't taste like beer anymore. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah. Right. That's it. How far can we get away from the taste of beer? Which is wild. Like they, I see, um, I can't remember who I'm following on in, in, um, I mean, I follow lots of brews in Instagram down in the U S but are you talking about the veil? Probably. It's not the veil. I, I know that, but I mean, they probably, they probably do it too. But like where people are actually putting just juice in with a can in the, in the can and they're like, you just need to keep it cold because it'll <laughs> explode on you. And like, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like you just take the can knowing that if you don't keep it cold, it'll, it'll re-ferment and, and explode. Yeah. Right. And, um, which is fucking crazy. Have you tried these beers? I've tried some of the Vale beers that are 50% fruit juice yeah. and they're delicious, yeah. but they're not beer no. in my mind. I mean, yeah. it, technically it's beer, but yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I guess that's, I mean, is that what people and they're want? Do you think? wildly successful, these guys. For sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they're huge. Yeah. I, th- I think that's what people want. If someone in BC did that, it would be very successful. Uh, you could get a huge chunk of market share if you jumped in that right away. Yeah. But it's not going to last. I don't think. No, I don't know. I could have said that about hazy IPAs too, and that's not going anywhere. It's not, man. I think they're the. I think they're changing, like how they they're developed a little bit. Like I think they're getting less sweet and more dry. And, I think that's just yeah. skill, really. Like, yeah. Why well, I went to Virginia, Virginia, uh, Vermont, and tried some of the original hazies, and they were dry and crisp. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I get it, because yeah. a lot of the local stuff last year, a couple of years ago, was cloyingly sweet and undrinkable for me yeah we always made sure that we dried ours out because we didn't like we don't like stuff too sweet either yeah. but i was down at when i was in portland i was at breakside and um they didn't have any hazy on it was actually kind of refreshing they just they don't. do they do one right the kids or something i don't know they the didn't kids. have it on tap yeah. it was probably so popular it sold out they can't keep it on tap yeah but um okay and then and and so what do you think then on the flip side is the biggest opportunity for for bc beer I think I hope this is the direction, but I don't know. It's not, it's, there's not a big enough following or not enough people caring, but like local terroir sort of, Mm -hmm. so to speak, not, not in the sense of wine, but like there's a lot of malt grown here. There's a lot of great fruit that we use in beers and like making BC specific beers is is something that would be cool i know mm-hmm. there's uh right down the street from us uh is barnside brewing yeah and they just started brewing last week so they're gonna be open january sometime those guys have been like a third or fourth generation malted barley growers they've been growing hops for five years they're gonna they're wow. gonna have their own malt their own malt their, That's own, crazy. their own hops and uh i'm super excited about their products and they and they are farmers they grow cranberries they're gonna have a lot of those things in their beers cool and I, I, I think, I hope, because it's such an agricultural province, yeah, that these become kind of like hotspots. And I mean, things that people want to try because yeah. it's so unique. Yeah, um, I think that'd be cool. We we take a lot of pride in in using BC fruit. We don't shamelessly. We don't use a lot of BC hops. Uh, we don't either basically based on existing contracts that we've had for many years yeah. and also not a i mean there are some great hop growers in bc but there's not a huge volume of high quality hops correct me if i'm wrong i apologize to all the hop growers out there but uh that's kind of where we are and then yeah the malt thing's just starting and yeah. we can't wait to start using some local malt yeah um, have you used any using the skagit valley stuff we've used a little bit yeah, yeah. um yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I think, I mean, that's going to be, I think you're right. That's going to be the next kind of wave. And I, and I hope so. Cause that's, it's cool, right? Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, and it's also a great story to be able to tell, right. Um, you know, when you're, when you have people in the room trying it, you know, I don't think it's a, it's a big thing though. I don't think you're yeah. going to be like, here's our 12 pack of no, BC no, 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 no. Yeah. Something and it's going to fly. People are like, Oh, it's BC proc. It's, it's, it's yeah. just, it's all about artwork and marketing now. It's not necessarily about what's in the can. No, I know. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> um, I, you know, but I think also too, I think that will, I think that will change a little bit too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, because I think as the, the palettes of customers here grow and become more refined, 
you know, you're not going to be able to hide up, hide out any, hide any bullshit with just a fancy can, right? Maybe the first time, but, but certainly not the second time, right? What, I'm going to throw a question at you because this industry is, it's still in its, in its infancy in BC, but um, what do you think is like the beer style that BC is known for? Or if there is anything that BC is known for? Fuck, that's a really good question. I don't know. You know what I would, I, I, I would actually like, I, I mean, I think that just like we do with cuisine here is that I actually think we do quite a few styles well. And so I think that we have less of a, I guess we have, I guess we have less of a, a certain style of beer that I think I would associate with BC. Um, but I think what I would associate with it is using, you know, like you kind of mentioned is using unique ingredients to, um, you know, to create, create beer that, that plays well with food, I think. Um, at least the beer that I drank, yeah. right? And and maybe that's just how I think about it. But when when often when I'm picking up beer at a liquor store, I think about what I'm going to eat with it, right? Yeah. And and so, um, but yeah, shit, man, that's a really good question. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe, <clears throat> yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't really have a specific style. If anything, I would say like West Coast IPA. Just Fat Tug is just yeah. such, such a force and like such a presence in yeah. DC and known from across Canada to be like. The, the beer it, yeah. and it rightfully owned yeah. fat tug is a legend for sure. But the one thing that just crossed my mind is like, <clears throat> there's not a lot of breweries doing a lot of huge beers in BC and no. a lot of the beer that is consumed and a lot of the big sales are, are actually like drinkability yeah. is important. And I, that must be a West coast thing. It, I, I mean, we don't get that cold here. Yeah, no, no I, one needs those huge beers all the time. I think that's really that's actually uh, that's a, I think that's a great um, a great analogy of it. Like it, you're right. I mean, I look at our own lineup, right? Like we, you know, everything kind of sits between four and a half and six, right? Yeah. And and um, and rarely does it, you know, jump all over the place. At least a lot, like you know, for the majority of the beers, right? Yeah. So no, I think that's that's actually yeah, I think that's probably pretty good. And I think we'll also find our. I mean, I guess to turn it around, do you think are there any you know, like West Coast IPA, you know, hazy IPA, you know, I mean, West Coast IPA is not new by any means, but like, do you think we're tapped out in, in like official new beer styles that now we're just taking old beer styles and just tweaking them with fruit and other things? Or do you think that there'll be, you know, yeah. an invent, you know, um, I don't know. There's always going to be something new. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Do you remember when Saison was super popular? No, <laughs> <laughs> I do. It was like three months. Yeah, no, but it, it was, was never. All the brewers wanted it to be cool. It never was cool. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, maybe you're I, right. I mean, I think we probably brew the most saison beer in BC. I'm and, sure you do. Yeah, and it's and we're not known for that. No, I mean maybe we are, but I think. But we, who cares? I don't know what we're known for. <laughs> but I love it and yeah. stuff. I drink all the time. I think what you guys are known for. I think it's changed over the years, right? I would when I think of foreigns now, I think about all of your the wild beers that you do and the, the cork and cage and all of that, you know. And I think that I think more of you guys as a brewery that uses terroir and 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 you know that you know you build these you build beers basically. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's like a good way to describe it. Yeah, and and. Um, which, which I think is like the next level of brewing, right? You know, anybody can make a, a hazy IPA, but, but when you guys release a beer, you're like, and it has a little bit of this and then we did this with it. And it's not like you just, you can tell that you just didn't chuck a bunch of shit in it that you, you literally just built this thing. Uh, yeah. You know? A lot of the time. And I mean, if we're known for that, that's awesome. But that's like five to 10% of our production, which is, which is fine. I mean, we always say to ourselves, these beers don't make a ton of money, but there are passion projects and there are marketing projects. Yeah. I mean, not that we're building, brewing these to market them, but they're just, they're marketing gold mine. Um, but yeah, a lot of the times we'll just brew like a, uh, a regular malt based simple beer and we'll put it into barrels. And then a couple of years later, we'll figure out what we want to do with it. So uh, there's, there's always a grand scheme plan at the beginning. Never have we ever followed through on that grand scheme? It's yeah. always changed and we've always adjusted because you never know what's going to happen once you put it in barrels with bacteria and yeast and all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, what's next for you guys? What, what do you have planned on the horizon? I know you said at the very beginning, yeah, because people will be yelling at 
the their, <laughs> whatever they listen to podcasts. What's on. coming up next? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So back to the denial of our Southland project. So it was very heartbreaking for us. We were kind of like, well, what are we going to do now? We need to build a brewery. This is where we're at. Um, we took a six month step back from that and realized, okay, we have a pretty damn decent brewery where we are now. We have always become more efficient year after year, and we found ways to make more beer uh, and better beer in the square footage. So we decided, okay, we can we can actually grow by thirty to forty percent in our current place without yeah. doing anything. Almost, I mean, yeah. a few pieces of equipment here and there, but not a lot. So that kind of took the pressure off of needing to open a brewery right away. We did spend a good amount of time planning and building another brewery this is after the denial right. and uh that also went the same route yeah. we uh it was fun yeah. we we there was a plot of land we saw for sale we worked with a development company and kind of worked to see what it was going to cost us to build this brewery and uh we were pretty fired up about it but then we got the budget and we're like no way i'm gonna yeah. be paying this off till i'm 70 so yeah. even though it could have been a successful thing it would have been a huge debt scenario, and I mean, we're pretty content with where we are now. Yeah, and we know that money is always an issue in the brewing industry, so we didn't want to put ourselves in a deep, deep hole for thirty years. Yeah, so we decided not to do it. Um, maybe it was a bad move. I, I, I don't know. I. I, I don't like stress. I mean, I'm pretty good with stress, but I would like to reduce my stress yeah, and that okay. would have increased it drastically. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so now we're working, trying to f- see if we can do something small scale yeah. in Delta. Yeah. Brew pub, something. Cool. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting. I mean, it's kind of nice. Like I mentioned before, it's kind of nice to calm down a little bit because we've been, we've been so focused on building that Southlands project for so long. That now we're like, oh, wait, let's look at what we're doing here. Yeah. Let's, let's refocus ourselves and, and settle down a bit. So that's refreshing. So, yeah, we do want to do another project. It's it's not going to be huge. Um, it's going to be more of like a pilot brew house kind of thing. Yeah. Which we're well, kind of it, very excited about. And it would, it's nice that you, you, like you said, that it would be in Delta, right? Which I think you guys have done a good job of, of promoting Delta. Yeah. And, and um, you know, which is a place that not a lot of people know a lot about unless you're from there. Right. And it's, so it's, it, it feels right to do that. So, um, if, uh, before we go, if you could leave a piece of advice for anybody out there that might be either opening a brewery house one now, what would you be, what would it be? Attach yourself to a community. Yeah. Um, quality over everything and stay patient. Awesome. I want to thank my guest on episode 16, the last episode of uh, season one of Beer Life, Brent Mills. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Jordan. I will see everybody that listens, and there are a lot of you, uh, back in April of 2020. I'm going to take a bit of a break over the holidays. Um, have a good holiday season and a good start to January and February of 2020. If you're in the beer industry, I hope people continue to drink. Um, in January and February (laughs) responsibly. And uh, we'll see you in April. This is Beer Life with Jordan Foss. Mm -hmm.